0: Uh, Back at it.
1: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. The day after another Alabama romp, this is now their sixth national championship under Nick Saban, their eighth title appearance. It's uh, Alabama's world, Colby. The rest of college football is just living in it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's... I don't even know what to do to fix it. In my opinion, college football is broken and has been for some time, but it seems like we're just further getting to the point. I mean, look at kind of some of these way too early polls that you have coming out next year that include like Iowa state and Miami and North Carolina and these teams that are in the top 10 in the country in college football. Excuse me. And then think about what would happen if one of those teams were to step on the field with Alabama. and, And it just, further illustrates the point that, look, college sports are not designed for parity. They they don't have any interest in making it competitive, uh, and and we're seeing it play itself out. The same handful of teams are just rotating national championships, and everybody else is just left to fight for conference titles and bowl trophies.
1: Yeah, and with the college football playoff now, like there's more margin for error for Alabama to win a national title every single year. I mean, th- this was the only the second time Nick Saban's gone undefeated in a season. Think about that. And now he can, he can basically enter every season knowing he can lose a game or even two, maybe in some cases and still make it to the playoff. And then once you're in there, you have a chance to win it. So I, they're kind of stuck between a true, a true playoff and the bowl system. It They're in this middle ground where they've made the sport truly uninteresting. I mean, I can't remember Colby the last time I finished a national championship game from beginning to end because they've all been blowouts. Everyone's put out all the scores and everything else, but.
0: Right. Bama, Georgia and Bama, Georgia was four years ago.
1: Yeah. That was, and that's probably the only CFP title game that's been remotely close. I think they've all been in blowouts and most of the playoff games themselves, whether it's the semis or the finals have been blowouts. So college football is in a weird spot. I'm with you. I totally agree with everything you had to say, but first let's hear from Chris's university spirit. If we talk more about the national title game and all things OSU, we got a lot to get to with OSU as well, but go to go shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com or shop on campus corner. at Chris university spirit. We appreciate them partnering with the podcast. And if you're in town for, for OSU, Kansas tonight, be sure to stop by Chris's and, and pick up your OSU gear. All right, Cole, let's talk more about the national championship game. Obviously, Alabama can now claim, you know, as themselves as one of the best teams of all time. They went undefeated. I still think LSU last year is the best team I've ever seen, other than maybe 95 Nebraska. I still think 95 Nebraska is the best team ever. But in terms of the last 15, 20 years, I'm definitely going to go with that LSU team we saw last year because they had, you know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. I mean, the numbers were similar with Mac Jones and Joe Burrow in the title games, but – for me, it's still LSU, but, man, what what a dominant performance by Alabama and Devontae Smith especially.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would lean LSU, but it would be a slight lean. It, it's amazing, the receivers. Me and a buddy were going back and forth last night just texting names of receivers in the NFL from the Big 12 and the SEC because the Big 12's had some really good receivers, and it's still just not even close. The guys that the SEC – have put in the league at that position and are continuing to put in the league at that position. There's going to be, you know, at, at least three more high-level talent receivers come out of that conference this year with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Jamar Chase, who legitimately could all three be top 10 to 15 picks in the NFL draft. And w- what Devontae Smith did last night in just a half of football was, I mean, they weren't playing against Kansas State. This was not Texas Tech on the other side. Ohio State was down a little bit, but I mean, Sean Wade. Some of those guys they've got on those defense, on that defense, those are guys who will play in the NFL. And Devontae Smith, it's not even that he was having to moss anybody. The route running was mesmerizing. He, he, I, I can't remember maybe a handful of catches he had where a guy was within three yards of him because he just was leaving everybody in his dust. Uh, he, he's a special player. He deserved the Heisman. They got it right, and he was unreal last night. Unreal.
1: Yeah, I mean, 12 receptions, 215 yards, and three touchdowns all in the first half. I mean, he he tied or broke three records for a title game in the first half. That's how dominant he was. And
0: biggest game of the year.
1: Biggest game of the year. Obviously, Ohio State's defense, I think, played really well down the stretch. But man, you're right. He he cooked, you know, Wade, who's gonna play in the NFL, maybe a first or second round draft pick. And, you know, early on, like maybe the two or three weeks before he won the Heisman. I kind of rolled my eyes because I thought back to Justin Blackman's seasons and was like, oh, of course, if it's Alabama receiver, he gets to win the Heisman, but Blackman didn't even get invited to New York. But just seeing now that his season's wrapped up, you know, this was better than Justin's best season in 2010. And he did it in a 13-game schedule against all Power Five opponents. This was not Alabama playing, you know, their normal rum-dums in a non-conference. The schedule that Devontae Smith did this against and the numbers he put up are simply staggering and maybe the best season I've ever seen from a wide receiver and I, I didn't think I'd ever say that about a receiver besides Justin Blackman but he, he to me he looks like he looks like Marvin Harrison with the route running with the speed of just maybe just under a Tyreek Hill he's obviously not as you know the track speed of Tyreek but he's every bit as quick and that's a just a lethal combination because you're right he he cooked some really good NFL prospects on the defensive side for Ohio State so all that being said, I think the Heisman finally got it right I and mean, there's years I thought they got it wrong. but I think everyone could kick back last night and say the Heisman voters were correct. And I never thought I'd see a receiver as good as Justin Blackman. But what I saw last night, I think I think that's the case.
0: Yeah, and it's because it wasn't just a one-off with Devontae Smith. He's been doing this. He's been this good. And as much as we love Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State, you know, we would see tweets from time to time, Tylen, best receiver in the country, and with all due respect, he just wasn't. Nobody was. It was clearly Devontae Smith. He's a transcendent-type generational receiver in college football that you can make an argument is the best receiver to ever play college football or certainly at least with some of the best production of any receiver to ever play college football so now I, I look at where he might go at the next level and I mean there are some some really good options I hope he goes to a good offense because I, I think I look at him as like a uh, Devonte Adams or a Stefan Diggs type guy that's what I see when I watch Devontae mm. Smith
1: yeah D- uh, Diggs is a good comparison as well he's not the tallest, but he's just blazing quick and just an excellent, excellent route runner. I think I tweeted out um, the numbers for Devontae Smith, because it's really all the best receivers in history, whether it's Blackman or Crabtree um, they and, or Fitzgerald, they basically had two monster seasons. That's really what it comes down to. And so again, the 2020, Devontae Smith ends up with more yards and touchdowns than, than Blackman did in 2010. But uh, Okay, well, I guess I I don't have the updated numbers after the national title game.
0: Same number of games, too, right? Blackman played 13, Smith played 13?
1: Yes. So, actually, the two seasons, Smith will have – let me just do some math here. He'll be just over 3,000 yards and 37 touchdowns. Blackman had 3,300 yards and 38 touchdowns. So – Pretty close. Remarkably similar. And, again, I I think Blackman's the most dominant receiver I've seen. But you put those two years together, and and he's right there. So – Obviously, next year, Colby, there's going to be a little bit of a shuffling because Bama loses Mac Jones. They lose Najee Harris. They obviously lose Devontae Smith. Ohio State loses Justin Fields. Clemson loses Trevor Lawrence. There's a lot of turnover at the top. So it's kind of an open season next year, and I think you're already starting to see Oklahoma get a lot of love for the top five, top – I've even seen them as high as number two or three in the preseason early top 25s. Uh, Oklahoma State – I've seen kind of on the outside looking in on the other teams getting votes. Of course, Texas is like 18th for some reason. But uh, what do you think about the early top 25s? And, and, and Steve Sarkeesian worth mentioning. Obviously, he, he dialed up some great plays for Alabama, and he's obviously going to Texas. So what do you make of uh, Sarkeesian's night and, and the early top 25s that are coming out?
0: Yeah, Sark had a great night. I would really caution uh, Texas fans to, you know, <laughs> just blunt their enthusiasm a little bit. Uh, They were also really excited whenever Tom Herman came over because he had done some great things. They were really excited when Charlie Strong came over because he had done some great things. So tamper your enthusiasm a bit because we've seen guys really have a lot of success as coordinators elsewhere and then fall flat on their face as the head man at Texas. But I I did think it was um, it was great to watch Sarkeesian call that game last night. As far as the way-too-early top 10s, top 25s next year, I saw one that had Oklahoma State at like 18th, which I feel like is probably about right. You know, Oklahoma State loses uh, a decent amount from this team, especially now in the last week with Amen uh, and Colby Harvell peel both announcing that they're moving on. But still with Spencer Sanders, uh, Josh Seals coming back on the offensive line. Oklahoma State could still have a chance, I think, to be one of the third to fifth best teams uh, in the Big 12 if if things kind of break right. Um, I do think OU has a great chance next year. I, I thought that they took a big hit. I think it was Saturday, maybe it was Friday, when Ronnie Perkins announced that he was going to the NFL. And I, I know that that's only one guy, but at the college level, a guy who's that dominant on the defensive line can be the difference between you beating Iowa State in the Big 12 championship in game and not. Between you beating Ohio State in the first round of the college football playoff and not, I really think that he's that good and could have been that impactful for OU next year. So I think that was a big blow for the Sooners. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be completely open season at the top between OU Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. I would say those five uh, all go into next season with a chance to win a national championship and everybody else gets to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, and that, that was a big. I think Ronnie Perkins hurts OU more when they play an Alabama or Ohio State because they yeah. do have a lot of depth, and they do have Jalen Redmond coming back, who actually led the team in sacks uh, last year before opting out this year. So, and I think they, OU has a lot more depth on the defensive line than they've had in years. But I think ro- losing Ronnie Perkins definitely hurts them if they do make the College Football Playoff. And and I, it's funny to me. You mentioned the, the polls, and OSU was 18th and one. I don't care who OSU has almost, and this is going to sound funny coming from me because I've been kind of down on OSU this year. But everyone just slots in Texas in that 18 to 20 range every year. That's where Oklahoma State should be slotted every year, regardless of who they have. That Mike Gundy's proven that that's where they're going to that's where they're going to be after like three weeks of the season every single year, no matter who they have. So it's it's weird to me that OSU has this proven amount of you know top 25 success. And people don't just put them there to start. I I guess it's just a perception of OSU that's hard to shake. But I think they'll get a lot more love come the start of the season, or maybe not, who knows. But that's kind of the the wrap on on the college football season. I did think Steve Sarkeesian showed a lot of what I was optimistic about, too, Colby. Keegan renault has been all over this from from the franchise. Sarkeesian's basically been copying Lincoln Riley's playbook like all of their big plays throughout the year, he would, he would diagram and, and show video from, from OU's seasons past. So the reason I'm optimistic about the hire is I think Sarkeesian will bring Texas's offense into the 21st century. Now, is he going to be as good as Lincoln Riley? No. But Tom Herman, for all of his reputation of being an offensive guru, he was behind the times offensively, at least when it comes to a Lincoln Riley. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Sarkeesian. Now, he's not going to have all that talent we mentioned from Alabama, so I would caution Texas fans as well. But I think that's a scary proposition for the rest of the Big 12 with Sarkeesian and and the way he's able to draw up offense. That, to me, is going to be a much bigger challenge when you face Texas.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, Keegan really was. Whenever you said that, I remember last night he was breaking it down on Twitter, and he was basically taking – video from some stuff that Oklahoma's done under Lincoln Riley and putting it side by side with some things that Alabama was doing last night some of the motion some of the double and triple motion and they were doing down by the goal line to free guys up uh, on these little plays out in the flat and they were working perfectly especially with Ohio State what they were doing defensively which we don't even have enough time to go into what Ohio State was attempting to do defensively last night about that but,
1: linebacker chasing Devonte Smith
0: oh <laughs> my god that's, that's such bad planning to, to not have someone following Devonte Smith to just let Alabama basically choose whichever defender they wanted to put him on, I, I thought was a borderline fireable offense. But uh, in anyway, Sarkisian's going to come over and we all know Lincoln Riley is the best offensive mind in the game. And if Sarkeesian is copying that stuff, good for him to copycat league. We know that everybody takes, whatever's working and tries to implement it into what they do. So that could make life tougher on the rest of the big 12. I- I'm not bullish on Texas next year by any means I don't think Texas is like some sort of dark horse to win the conference they might make the game nobody aside from Oklahoma is winning the conference um but I do think that Texas could be the second or third best team in the Big 12 that's probably part of my uh bias toward Casey Thompson I'm pro Casey Thompson and hope he succeeds
1: yep i love to see him win the job so it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, Iowa State obviously returns eight of their nine all-Big 12 first-teamers. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Oklahoma getting to the national championship game, but Iowa State's ready to run it back. And they, they beat OU once last year. They took them down to the wire this year. So between Iowa State and Oklahoma, OSU will definitely have their work cut out for them come football season. And again, they, they have their own work to do. And we're going to talk some about their, some of their players leaving for the NFL and where they're projected to go in the draft. But first, Colby, let's get to uh, basketball. You and I talked about it uh, on on uh, Friday or Saturday. OSU beats Kansas State. Now Kansas State was ravaged by COVID, but hey, OSU's now won, I believe, five games on the road, and uh, they 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 get a much needed Big Twelve win at at Manhattan.
0: Yeah, it was a a major needed win, and Kansas State was barely able to play that game. They only had eight total guys available, six scholarship to walk on, and I think that that showed throughout the game. I really thought early, Kansas State did a good job of sticking around with Oklahoma State, but then as the game went on, Kansas State had no depth. It kind of looked to me like they got a little bit tired, and Oklahoma State wore them down to an extent and then just really started to punish them there in the middle part of the second half. Uh, Cade really wasn't on his shot early, but he was doing some other good things, some, some good passing, uh, getting guys involved. I think, it's, I think it's going underrated at the college level what a good passer he is because guys just aren't mm-hmm. as good as shooters at the college level so we don't see as many of those go in but, but he's making some crisp sharp passes that just not everybody can make so uh, I think that's one attribute that because Oklahoma State's not the best shooting team in the world they can't take full advantage of uh, but he's going to need a big game tonight I'm actually really looking forward to tonight uh, my parents have season tickets Oklahoma State basketball and I told them if they can't go to any let me know because I want to see Kate at least once in person this year and my parents are in Florida so I will be in Stillwater tonight at Gallagher Iba Arena and uh, looking forward to Oklahoma State attempting a big-time upset bid of the Jayhawks.
1: Nice how does it work with season tickets and, and COVID like do they get to go to a certain amount how does that work?
0: Honestly, I don't know. I know that they're greatly limiting capacity. It's like three thousand people per game. So I'm not sure how if it was first come, first serve for people who've had them the longest, or how it worked. I just you're not going to show up game.
1: and not have a seat, are you?
0: No, 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 no. They, I mean, they have the tickets. It's physical tickets, and they've they've been to all the games to this point. Um, they haven't been so turned away
1: for the nope. capacity reasons. No, nope, they curious said, how that works. But I think
0: I they've know. only issued a certain number. So I would mm. guess that they had to do it by seniority. Uh, yeah. or I, I don't know how they did it, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Where are their seats? Are we going to see on TV?
0: Uh, I doubt it. I think they're in the upper second or maybe even the third section. Tell you the truth, I'm going with my sister. And what we're probably going to do uh, is find two seats that are about 100 feet away from the nearest human being and pop down right there.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, in normal years, you could, you could probably move down to the lower levels and they wouldn't say anything, but probably not this year.
0: Yeah, but, uh, I sat on the floor of that gym a time or two. I'm, I'm good for tonight.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, a few more things to get to with that that win. I want to talk about the Kansas game, but for me, Colby, and again, OSU is tied for number one in the country for road wins. That's pretty impressive. And that, that kind of speaks to what we talked about last show, like COVID, home courts, nowhere near what it used to be. A, a team this young winning that many road games probably wouldn't happen in a normal year, but you got to give them credit for, for getting it done. But a guy who I wish we could see play, in an absolutely capacity gallagher iba arena is Rondell Walker. This is a guy that, obviously, I think he's been probably OSU's most consistent best player throughout the entire year, other than maybe Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham was 0 for 2 in the first half against Kansas State. But Rondell Walker is a guy that, much like an Ivan McFarlane, where he's not the star on the team, but probably will get like the loudest ovation in the starting lineups. Like I would love to see this guy with his energy, what he brings off the bench. He had 15 points the other night. The energy he brings on both ends of the floor is going to make this kid a fan favorite. And I just wish hopefully sooner rather than later Gallagher will be full and the fans can really show him the appreciation because he's one of my favorite players to watch in in quite some time at OSU.
0: Yeah, he is. He had a steal on Saturday where where the guy was just dribbling on him on the wing and he just reached in and took it. I mean, he just reached in, took it, and started heading the other direction. He makes a a play like that, it seems like, every game. And, you know, would I like him to be a little bit better shooter? Yes, but I I think that he's shown a little bit of improvement as the season's gone in that area. He he certainly has the confidence. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. He's not afraid to drive. And you like that from a true freshman, especially a guy who's not really supposed to be the star of the team. And he's not the star of the team right now. I think he could be in the future, but – if you would have asked me going into the season, you know, how many of these true freshmen really play big minutes, I don't know if I would have said Rondell Walker is going to be getting 20 or 25 minutes a game, but he is because he's earned it um, and, and he's a lot of fun to watch. So, yeah, I'll be curious tonight. Obviously, will be my first game of the season in Gallagher-Iba. Um, so even with the limited fans, I would imagine that he'll get some love uh, from the OSU faithful.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned it, the game against Kansas tonight. It's always big when when the Jayhawks come to town and Bill Self. And to me, I, I've joked about this for years, Colby, that Self was losing games on purpose in gallagher because he had a, a cushion in the league and could still win the league. But he wanted, one, to, to help out his alma mater, but two, to keep Travis Ford as head coach at OSU. <laughs> I used to joke about that for years because OSU I always thought was still is kind of a sleeping giant in terms of what their basketball program can be. And remarkably, Bill Self has won 82% of the games he has coached with Kansas, but he's only won 46% of his games in gallagher Arena. Ooh. He's six and seven in GIA since taking over at Kansas. And again, this is OSU at some of their lowest points over the last 15 years. They still find ways to lose in Stillwater. And that's a credit to the OSU teams that have, gotten up to play at Kansas, uh, usually a, a top 10 team in the country. But Bill Self's record in Drive at six and seven, that has to be the worst record he has in any arena. And it's uh, it's remarkable, Colby. So, again, OSU has another chance to, to hand Bill a loss back at his alma mater.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And you look at Kansas, Kansas is reeling a bit as of late. Now, they're, they're reeling relative to what Kansas normally is, not to a normal basketball program. Uh, five games ago, they beat Texas Tech by one point, Then they beat West Virginia by 14. And then they lose to Texas by 25 at home uh, last Saturday, January 2nd. And then they beat TCU uh, by 29. And then they only beat OU by four on Saturday. So three of Kansas' last five games They lost to Texas by 25, beat Tech by one, and beat OU by four. So this is a team that has shown some vulnerability. It it just has not been as easy for Kansas to score the basketball as it has been in some previous seasons. They had a win over Creighton earlier in the season by one point. They had a win against Kentucky earlier in the season by three points. So they found themselves in several close games throughout the season that they found a way to win. Interestingly enough, the line on this game tonight is only four – in favor of Kansas. And I I tell you what, Carson, I think I'm going to do it. I'm putting in the call. I'm picking the upset. Oklahoma State plays Kansas really well in Gallagher-Iba. Kansas, I think, is reeling a little bit. Just barely beat OU on Saturday. And this is an Oklahoma State team with the talent to do it if they put it all together for a big game. And I think tonight's the night to do it. So I'm picking the upset.
1: I like it. I think it's a great spot for all the reasons you just mentioned. And obviously the history is a factor there as well. But this is not a vintage Kansas team, to your point. They're, they're down by their standards, which their standards is absolutely crazy. But I do think this is a, a great opportunity for OSU. And frankly, this is a game you should, you should win if you want to make the tournament, because you, you've given up a few close games, particularly that game against uh, Texas and TCU. But um, I don't know, I, I, I'm feeling a win too. I, obviously, I think Cade needs to play better in the first half. Again, he was 0-2 in the first half against Kansas State. But um, OSU did show some some signs that um, they they figured out a little bit of that late scoring drought that's that's haunted them all season. They made their final 13 field goals over the last 13 minutes against K State, and again, K State's a lot different than Kansas. But I just don't see the Big 12 Player of the Year type players that Kansas has had over the years on their current roster. Obviously, Bryce Thompson probably going to play in this game either. He's been out for a while, but. I don't know. I'm with you. I think I'm going to pick OSU in the upset as well. I, I think this is a real chance for them to go on, like not go on a run, but really make a statement and, and get a tournament solidifying type win because this is one of the games you're going to have to win from now on after losing, you know, your first, you know, three big 12 games by after giving up leads.
0: Yeah, you know, Kansas doesn't have, like, the Udoke you know, okay, bouquet Devontae Graham. They don't have that guy this year. They've got four guys averaging double figures, uh, Igbaji Wilson, McCormick, and Braun. You'll see all those guys on the floor tonight. Did you say Bryce Thompson's been injured? He hasn't been out there? I see he's got less games played than everybody else.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's been out. I can't remember what it was for. I don't know okay. if it's COVID or... Uh, oh it's a back injury he's day-to-day with a back injury so
0: that's the five star who had it narrowed down out of Booker T who had it narrowed down to Kansas and Oklahoma State decided to go be a Jayhawk so I'd love to see him play tonight obviously uh it's a it's an advantage for Oklahoma State if he doesn't but I I just think it's a good spot for the Cowboys and uh I hope I'm right because man this would be a big 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 win it would really make up for that West Virginia game that you blew, that second half 19-point lead that you let get away. You've got to get one that you're supposed to lose at some point along the way to make up for that one.
1: Yeah, and just I want to see OSU get some momentum. It seems like every time they've had a big win, they they follow it up with just a, a gut-wrenching loss. I mean, we saw that already this season. And if you think if they can beat Kansas, then you got OU at home, then you go to West Virginia, which is a game I think you already predicted OSU would probably win in Morgantown um so you know Bill Self said
0: I weirdly feel better about the West Virginia game coming up than I do the OU game
1: (laughs) well then well then um hopefully they can beat Kansas and and maybe it'll be proven correct there but
0: yeah yeah
1: I mean uh for me like again they they beat Texas Tech in overtime on the road and just you think they're going to get some momentum and then they lose at home to West Virginia that seemed to me like, that's been kind of the theme under Mike Boynton so far. You know, they've, they've had those big wins in Morgantown and in Lawrence, and they have not been able to follow it up with any sort of momentum. The rug just seemingly gets pulled out from under them anytime they get any semblance of momentum. So hopefully they can they can beat Kansas, and then it's Bedlam in, in Gallagher-Iba. So that's going to be a fun game tonight. I can't wait to watch. Uh, you'll have to give me a full report on what uh, GIA is like in, uh, in 2021. Absolutely. So uh, let's get to some football news here. Uh Colby, your 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 named counterpart with a K, Colby Harvell Peel announces he's turning pro. Not not a surprise. I thought, you know, back-to-back Big 12s, all Big 12 type seasons. He was second team this year, first team last year. He did miss a game this year with injury. But Colby Harvell Peel to the NFL then and the 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 declarations are starting to mount here, Colby, in terms of the the OSU team. Uh, they've lost some players to the NFL. What you make of Colby Harvell Peel announcement to the NFL?
0: Yeah, it was Uh, It was completely understandable. I'm happy for him. I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, It's disappointing for Oklahoma State fans because once you heard Trey Sterling was coming back, it's fingers crossed Colby Harvey Peel comes back and you get them both because having both those guys at the back end kind of anchoring the back end of your defense was huge for Oklahoma State. But now in the last week, we've seen Amen Ogbong-Vamiga decide that he is headed to the NFL, and Colby Harvey Peel do the same. Of course, the guys on the offensive line, Tevin Jenkins, Ry Schneider also headed to the NFL. And of course, we know about Chuba and Tylen Jelani Woods transferring, Radarius Williams headed off to the NFL. It's a lot of names that I just listed that have been key contributors <laughs> For Oklahoma State. And there are more guys behind them. I get that. But it, it's just it's tough at a place like Oklahoma State to immediately replace a Colby Harvell Peel, an Amen Ogbang Vamiga, or Darius Williams. So I, I do think just from those three guys moving out, and who knows? how much of the season Trace Ford will be available for. He's supposed to be ready for the start of the season, but you never know coming back from that type of injury. So um, hopefully the guys behind them can fill those roles, but I do expect just a slight step back from the Oklahoma State defense next year because of the key pieces they're losing.
1: Yeah, and they do have some young secondary guys. You know, uh, Bernard Converse played well down the end of of the stretch there. Tanner McAllister is, is a really good young player in the secondary, but you're right. I mean, to me, where would you rank Harvell Peel among safeties in OSU history? I was trying to rack my brain. For me, Markel Martin Golly. is still number one because he was he was literally first team All-American on, on everyone's lists. I mean, that's that's hard to beat. Now, part of that was playing for a team that that could have played for a national championship. But Col- wherever he ranks, I think Colby Harvell Peel will go down as one of the best safeties in OSU history. That he really came on as a young player, three-year starter, and really He made some just jaw dropping interceptions, pass breakups and was just sensational. And for me, maybe the biggest reason of all the players they've had on defense the last two years, I think he might be the biggest reason that the defense has played so well.
0: Yeah, he, he's a big part of it. We saw what happened this season whenever he had to go out of a couple of games or, or missed a game here or there. Oklahoma State's defense really took a dip because he was such a leader and he did so many things well on the back end that it it really made up for some mistakes elsewhere. And as far as where he goes down in Oklahoma State history, honestly, I don't think he'll go down as high as he should because the teams that he was on underachieved a little bit. You know, he was on a lot of teams that went six and six and seven and five. And he really didn't have that opportunity to be a star safety on a team that went 11 and one in the regular season and then had a chance to win a Big 12 title. That, that to me, Markel Martin, I look back on that so fondly. a couple of reasons number one uh 2011 was my freshman year at oklahoma state so that was obviously a a fun year in my life but two markel martin was the stud in the back end of the defense on a team that i think you can make the argument was the best team in the country you can't make that argument with any of the teams colby harvell peel was on so he'll be right near the top but it's hard to really dethrone markel martin just because of what he accomplished and what the team accomplished uh in the wake of what he was doing
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, I think we're going to see come NFL draft time, you know, uh, Kyle Cox wrote a piece for Pistols Firing just on all the NFL draft projections that are out. We're going to see come draft day, you know, proof on paper how much better OSU's defense has been the last couple of years based on the amount of players they're going to have drafted. I mean, Eamon Amigo would drafted, but probably the guy drafted highest off the defense will be Rodarius Williams, who I know you love. We've, We've raved about him on this show all year. I mean, some people are projecting him to be a first-round pick. I think that's too high, frankly. That's a stretch. That's a stretch for me. But, again, a lot of people are projecting him to go pretty high. Walter uh, – let me see here. Walter Football has Rodarius going. Yeah,
0: I do through yeah.
1: Number 16 overall, which, again, I, th- I don't think he's going in the first round. But I think between Rodarius, Tevin Jenkins, Chuba Hubbard, Tyler Wallace, Amen – I think you're going to see a lot of OSU guys drafted. And one quick note, too, I, I saw the Athletics mock draft today. They have Tevin Jenkins going 20 overall, which I thought almost, was – which is the highest. Every
0: talk that I've seen has had Tevin Jenkins going in the first round. And I think that that's another guy who's going to be underappreciated for how good he was at Oklahoma State because Tevin Jenkins was a great offensive lineman that was part of bad offensive lines. So if all we <laughs> yeah. do is – if all we do is rip the offensive line every week because they, they can't open holes for the running backs and the quarterbacks under pressure the whole game, it's really hard to appreciate the individual greatness of one guy when the unit is poor. Uh, and especially, especially on the offensive line because you don't get stats on the offensive line. You play as a group and you either open up holes and protect your quarterback or you don't. And the Oklahoma State offense offensive line did not while Tevin Jenkins was there, but he did. He was phenomenal at Oklahoma State, and he'll be a great pro. Almost every mock I've seen has had him in the first round. I think Tevin Jenkins will be a first-rounder. I think Rodarius Williams will be a second-rounder. I think Tylan is second or third. I think Colby Harville-Peel is probably third or fourth. Uh, and then you get into some of the later rounds to see what happens with guys like Amen Ogbong-Bamiga and uh, some of those others, Reich Schneider, see if he can come in at the back end of the draft. But, yeah, Tevin Jenkins, Rodarius, and Tylen. oh and I forgot to mention Chuba he'll be probably a first three to four round guy as well so Oklahoma State's gonna have uh I would say at least four guys go in the first three rounds
1: Yep, I'm, I'm excited three, to watch the to draft rounds. three yep. to four rounds. yeah I'm with you and Walter football had Rodarius going to the Cardinals Tevin Jenkins to the Chiefs which I would love Chuba Hubbard to Jacksonville which if Urban Meyer becomes the coach that'd be interesting to see how Urban would use Chuba I think that would be a good spot for him if Urban Meyer is the coach at at Jacksonville. But it's going to be interesting to see where some of these guys land. You know, Pro Football Network has Tylan Wallace to the Ravens, which I think would be super intriguing, alongside Hollywood Brown and and playing with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Tevin Jenkins to Carolina, which maybe he could get Bitcoin advice from uh, Russell Okung from OSU alum, (laughs) who's getting some of his contract paid in Bitcoin. Rodarius to the Packers, which would be a great spot on a great team. So I'm just intrigued to see where these guys go because a lot of it – once you're out of the first round, I think you want to go to a good franchise that's well run. And a lot of these projections have them going to to teams like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another place that I've seen for Chuba is Kansas City. I, I don't actually think Kansas City would do that. They just got Clyde Edwards alaire They'll be getting D.D. Williams back. I saw that in a mock and it really kind of made me turn my head. I don't think that that uh, is a spot or a fit for him. I, I think he'd be decent in a place like uh, the Chargers. You know, I, I don't think Austin Eckler's really a, a dude. Those guys they've got behind him, Bellage, Justin Jackson, those, those guys are just okay. I think that'd be a decent spot for him in, in a, what I think is going to be uh, a really good offense. I also weirdly think that Pittsburgh could be a good spot for him. If Chuba goes to Pittsburgh, James Conner is very much just okay. And I think that they could use a little bit of a spark at that position and Chuba could maybe be it. Um, but to tell you the truth, I wouldn't mind Chuba just landing wherever Deshaun Watson gets traded because I think wherever Deshaun Watson gets traded is going to be a team with an offense on the rise. And and I think that Chuba will be at his best if he plays beside a mobile quarterback that the defense at least has to give some respect to.
1: Yeah, no, I'm super intrigued to see where Watson goes. I mean, the Texans to me are the new Browns. They're so incompetent. They have no idea what they're doing. Trading DeAndre Hopkins for
0: well, I mean, everybody that's played for that organization over the last decade absolutely hates the ownership yeah. so it's just whenever you have a bad owner in the nfl everything goes straight to hell
1: yeah pittsburgh would be intriguing because i think mason rudolph's about ready to take over for uh, ben roethlisberger i saw a report that he's plan a to take over for ben so chuba and uh, and mason reunited would be would be super intriguing as well so we'll have to wait and see come draft time i love the nfl draft one of my favorite events of the year but uh, let's get to our new segment. You uh, you mentioned this. The same guy that came up with bullets and BBs came up with buckets and bricks, which Kyle Porter and I have done. I just forgot what we called it. So let's get to this week's segment of buckets and bricks. I will start. My my bucket again is going to go to Rondell Walker. I think he is of the Ivan McFarland corollary. I think he's going to get Gallagher Iba on his feet every time he's on the floor. And I think that starts tonight against Kansas. I, I, I'm so impressed. You know, he, he obviously was a great prospect coming out of Putnam City West, but so much attention was on Cade Cunningham and M.A. Uh, Moncrief as well, to where I think Rondell got a little bit lost in the, in the accolade shuffle. But I think he's been one of their most consistent performers. So my bucket's going to Rondell. I hope he has a big night against Kansas.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one. I'm going to give my bucket. Uh, we're doing buckets and, and bricks now, but I'm going football with my bucket. And I'm just going to give it to the guys that are moving on from Oklahoma State to the NFL because, you know, as much as we've been a little bit down on Oklahoma State underachieving, there have been some guys who have really done a lot for this program who are moving on. And I hope that these guys are remembered and revered as well as they should be, despite the fact uh, that their teams did not win conference championships. You, you know, Oklahoma State should, yes, contend for more conference championships, but historically, it, it just doesn't happen that often. And we should still be able to appreciate the guys who come through Stillwater. So, Amen um, Colby Harville-Peel, Rodarius Williams, Tevin Jenkins, Chuba, Tylen. you know, any of the guys that I'm missing that I'm forgetting about, great careers in Oklahoma State and look forward to hopefully watching all those guys at the next level.
1: Yep. I'm with you. That's going to be super fun to watch. And I hope they land in good spots as well. My brick is going to go to the big 12 conference who tweeted out a graphic today celebrating the anniversary of John Lucas hitting the shot to send OSU to the final four. And they tweeted out a photo of Joey Graham. Oh. uh, that was that was bad. They got roasted really bad. And they ended up deleting the tweet and not correcting it. They just the tweet's gone away, and they're not gonna they're not gonna admit their fault and tweet out a picture of John Lucas. So uh, Big Twelve, I'm not sure who's running their social media, but maybe similar to those who hires the uh, the officials for basketball as well. So that's my brick is uh, the Big Twelve. Come on, man, you got to know who John Lucas is if you're gonna tweet a graphic about him. Come on.
0: Yeah, you got to know who John Lucas is. Also, it's really funny that you said something about the officials. Cause I was fully prepared to give my brick to big 12 basketball officiating. It is just,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to watch
0: watchable Carson. I, I don't understand how some of these calls get made and you know, even live, some of these calls look bad. A lot of times you, you can slow it down and you're like, Oh, well that was bang, bang. And uh, I, I don't know, that one could have gone either way. I mean, these are calls that you're watching live that it's like, gosh, that's a terrible call. And then they show the replay, and you're like, oh, my God, that's a really terrible call. And I just – I don't know how it continues. It feels like it's getting worse. I don't know. Maybe I'm just watching more of it. I don't know. It feels like it's getting worse. So I'm giving a big old brick to the Big 12 basketball officials. And I hope – I hope that I watch a good, clean basketball game tonight in Gallagher-Iba and not a free-throw shooting contest Uh, because we know a free-throw shooting contest is the last thing Oklahoma State wants to get in.
1: No doubt that's the key for me tonight free throw shooting and three point shooting if they can just get above 32% from three and 75% from the free throw line they got a great chance to win because they've been they've been really fighting with one arm tied behind their back with their free throw shooting and their their three point shooting so that's a huge, huge factor for me. So hopefully uh, I wish you could win tonight against Kansas Colby Powell will be in the house. Uh, You got one interesting thing before we get out of here.
0: Yeah, one interesting thing, college football season comes to an end. Just The one interesting thing for me is just the gap from the top to everybody else in college football. And there there have been some things floated around. You know, Joe Klatt wants to expand the playoff to 14 or 16 teams, not because the team that gets in at 12 or 13 could win the national title, just so that more teams have something to play for in the regular season. That's been floated around. I know I've heard the idea of reducing the number of scholarships from 85 to 70 in college football so that the talent is more spread around, so that there's more parity. The problem, the big problem, I think, with collegiate athletics is that there's no one head that runs everything. The Power Fives each kind of do their own thing. I thought it was totally on display this year in the COVID season, just how disorganized and just what a disaster everything is in the NCAA with everybody just kind of choosing to do their own thing when and wherever they want to do it. I I think that the NCAA or the Power Five, whatever it is, they need to come together. There needs to be a head that makes decisions for everybody. And for the good of college football and collegiate athletics, I think that they need to find a way to introduce a little bit more parity in college football because there are a lot of fan bases that the further and further we go uh, down this road that we're on are going to become disinterested in college football as it gets late in the season and their team doesn't have a chance to win anything.
1: I'm with you. The the fans and everyone else going to lose interest. I think the, the players will with the current model. I think you're going to see – bowl games become totally irrelevant. We saw how decimated Florida was in, against Oklahoma. I think that's going to become the norm if it stays yeah. status quo. So I, I'm with you. They need to do something because they're kind of stuck, as I said at the top of the show, between a playoff, between the bowl. Like they need to open it up more to, to allow more teams, at least make, you know, quarterfinal games interesting, semifinal games interesting. Because right now it's, it's basically the same four teams in the playoff, same four to five teams in the playoff every single year. Uh, My one interesting thing, you know, I mentioned the greatest teams of all time. For me, it's still 1995 Nebraska. Their average margin of victory was 38 points. Average margin of victory, 38 points. Their closest win was by two touchdowns. And everyone likes to argue 2001 Miami. Certainly they had all the draft picks. They're probably the most talented team. But on paper, 2001 Miami beat Virginia Tech by two and they beat unranked Boston College by 11. So, again, I think 1995 Nebraska's resume is unassailable. They're still the best team I've ever seen. That includes LSU and Alabama the last two years. So, to me, 1995 Nebraska is still the GOAT, and uh, I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, I've got no problem with that at all. A 38-point average margin of victory. it, it almost absurd. It almost makes your brain go a little crazy to even think about
1: that. Yeah. So they were they were unbelievable. And fortunately for Oklahoma State, they don't have to worry about playing uh, vintage black shirt defense Nebraska anytime soon. So, Colby, enjoy the game tonight against uh, the Jayhawks. Say hi to Bill Self for me and we'll get back with you later in the week.
0: Absolutely. Go Pokes.